Hi there, it's Dave. Just a quick reminder that the best way to support my work here at Too Close to Call and the podcast is to become a paid subscriber. Five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year, you become a founding member and choose a number to pledge to the work here at Too Close to Call. I hate to ask, but it's the only way to keep the machinery going. Now on to the post-debate podcast where I ask a debate coach whether Vivek Ramaswamy was too hot or just right. Aaron Call is the director of debate at the University of Michigan, but is still stuck in Milwaukee, the site of the first Republican primary debate, right? You've got bad weather. You can't get out of Milwaukee. Yeah, but I'm with you, so it's all right. <laughs> the first Republican debate, I must say, I'm going to toot my own horn a bit. I said Vivek Ramaswamy was going to have a moment I think he did. If I had to put my debate power rankings out, which I can't put in my news article for McClatchy, but I could do it here because it's a podcast. I would put Vivek at the top of my power rankings for what he got out of the debate. Simply because I think he was the center of attention. I think Republicans like a fighter, and he was a fighter. He threw elbows fast and furiously at the start of the debate. I think the first hour is the most important hour, and he was he was throwing punches, and he was also on the receiving end. He looked like, and, and I, I wrote this in my piece, I think the fact that people, you know, these seven others, or maybe, you know, five others, were throwing arrows at him and not Ron DeSantis. And to me, that's an indication that they think he is the gathering threat more than DeSantis is, even though we all know that DeSantis remains the number two polling candidate in this race, although I'm not so sure for how long. My only caveat with Vivek was, or is, did he come off too smarmy, too arrogant. He looked a little too cocky for a 38-year-old who has never held political office, who I don't believe has ever been in a political debate before. He he kind of was up there like he was Tom Brady and just going down the field and like this was his game to, to lose. And I just wonder how that comes off with voters. That's a lot for Aaron for you to respond <laughs> to. Where, where What did I get wrong? In no, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I kind of had a top three. I thought that he was certainly in it, along with Mickey Haley and Ron DeSantis. Um, I Those agree are with your three, in that order? Um, for me, it was actually Haley and DeSantis, and I maybe even gave the nod to DeSantis just because of expectations coming into the debate. You know, coming into the debate, he had so many missteps, unforced errors, the memo, um, you know, the spending issues. And and also, given Trump's absence, he was going to be the expected target and just have a really rough night. He's also doesn't have the best track record with debates his his five gubernatorial ones in Florida going back to the Christ and Gillum debates. And so really low bar, yes. uh, a lot of drama surrounded with it. And none of that happened. Uh, and so he had the highest degree of difficulty and um, when against the advice of the memo, didn't attack Ramaswamy. And like you said, others did. To, and to me, that just reeked of a little desperation. Like you said, he's 38, he's never been in one of these debates. And if others 
former vice presidents and governors and prosecutors are attacking him. You know, what does that say about their own candidates? So better that they do it than DeSantis, because if it's him, it both shows that he's kind of went to the super PAC and their um, their ideas, but also makes him look as a you know incumbent Florida governor pretty weak as well. So let them do the dirty work, stay above the fray and at least live the fight in another day get a good debate under your belt so gave the little nod to him just given the the pre-debate expectations and then Haley next um you know was really fledgling campaign um struggled in in some of the polls was really splitting i think a lot of the vote being compared to scott and i just think there's no question after last night that she benefited the most um in that comparison and could benefit because some of uh, scott supporters could could go to her and um, could just kind of cause a little a new dynamic and, and reach second tier status and had some good moments, probably get the best maybe jab in against Ramaswamy, who, like you said, was the center of attention and, uh, you know, I think had a solid night. Question is whether too much for more of an independent audience as opposed to the base, but um, yeah. we'll see at least some of the internet stuff look positive. But uh, so I thought that was solid. And then finally, you, you mentioned all the reasons why, you know, Ramaswamy third, especially as given his first debate, didn't seem like he was really doing the formal prep and show, just showed a lot of natural skills and and uh, that he's going to be a presence in this thing and participating in a lot more debates coming for the, the next several months. So I mostly agree with that. I had Vivek as number one. I'd put Haley number two over DeSantis because I think DeSantis did no harm, which I think was probably the goal after just a rough summer, right? Like he had the, since his announcement rollout, it's just been bad headlines and bad press. I think he's starting to get good press after this debate, I was texting with some Republican operatives in the early states, and they're like, he did what he needed to do just because he stood on the stage. He delivered his message. He looked competent. He talked about his record. I mean, again, low bar, as you said. So I gave him like a middling grade. I don't think we're ever going to, you know, three months is everyone, I'm going to go back to this debate and say, wow, Ron DeSantis hit out of the park. No, but he didn't fall on his face. That's good enough for now. Although to me, I mean, I, maybe I'm a tougher critic. I, to me, that's not a winning strategy just to play, just to kind of, you know, shoot 50%. To me, is like not good enough for him when you're down 23 points in Iowa, 30 points in New Hampshire. But, you know, I, I put Haley second because she's something I didn't predict. I toot my own horn at the top, so I want to, I you know, flag something I did not see coming. And I... I thought that Tim Scott was going to have a bigger moment where he was would try to unify the party and look like, you know, he, I knew he wasn't going to attack anyone, but all the buzzes around Tim Scott, not Nikki Haley as a potential threat in Iowa and, you know, in South Carolina even. And, you know, personal charisma, a lot of senators like him, reporters like him. And I thought he might have a moment where he could, in the middle of all the attacks, rise above it and deliver why, you know, he could be the great unifier of both wings of the party. But he didn't really seem to be comfortable doing that, whereas Haley did intervene and was tough in a lot of instances. And I think I mean, it'll be interesting to see how her foreign policy views square with the base, who I believe won out of Ukraine. But for for, you know, for that maybe mainstream Republican who's still looking for a candidate, you know, she delivered a forceful sort of Reaganism, traditional Republican interventionist view, the shining city on the hill. We have to intervene. We've got to save the world. That's America's role. Maybe she did pick up a few votes. And I think she did a better job at maybe adding to her vote total coming out of this 
than DeSantis, who I think will probably stay flat. Like, again, didn't harm himself, but probably will stay flat. But, you know, I don't know. I'm also not a Republican primary voter, so I'm making a lot of assumptions out of this. And I also wonder, going back to my, I guess, first point, I'd love to get your comment on this. Did Vivek, as a debate analyst, as someone who studies, coaches, watches debates, body language, the smirking, was Vivek a little too over the top? And will, could that turn off a Republican voter sitting in one of these early states that maybe went in liking this guy, but came out going, eh, he was kind of an asshole? Yeah, and that's you know part of the reason I didn't have this number one. And I was a little surprised after kind of got, got to read some of the other commentary that you know, I think there's just a difference between being the center of attention and attracting, you know, eyeballs and saying that, oh, that's a solid debate performance or even, you know, something sustainable. There's, yes, you do get more time. And it was very interesting to see the time breakdown. I think it was unexpected as in terms of what our yes. predictions were going into the debate. And, but there's risk with that. I mean, yes, you, you attract more attention, but you're also taking more body blows and you're, and there's negative hits and, and these things are going to be packaged and sound bites for the next several days. I mean, Haley got in, you know, great shot about her experience. Christy did as well. And so, so yeah, the more attention and scrutiny he gets, then all of a sudden is, well, you know, do we want that um, a person that's so young with limited experience and the important role uh, as either president or vice president with how serious, you know, the issues are with Ukraine and Russia and China and a lot of those issues came up. And so, um, you know, that's, I think, going to cause some some apprehension. I mean, there's like there's no middle ground. You know, there's him at 38 and then Trump at 77 and Biden 80. Um, and that maybe will benefit someone like uh, Haley is 51 or Santa's 44. Kind of get someone that, you know, has that experience is kind of middle age wise and uh, you know, at least it's a little bit more reassuring. And uh, but anytime you know, there's more attention on someone like Ron Swamy, the, the knives are going to come out now. I think we kind of saw a preview of that. You know, is some of his views on Israel. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's over made, for him. He's I, mean, well, I don't, I'm not they're coming for him now. I mean, yeah. the gloves are off. The knives are out. It's going to yeah. be he's going to go through the, the rings. Some of the 9-11 trutherism stuff, the Atlantic controversy. I'm surprised that didn't make it into the debate. But yeah, me too. I, we'll see. It, <laughs> We'll see how he how he wilts under that. And at least, you know, like with DeSantis, like you said, not a great performance. I think, you know, all the candidates are kind of buying time to see if any of the legal uncertainty kind of changes anything. But um, at least that, you know, all the kind of a lot of the opposition research and everything has at least been deployed against DeSantis so far and you know, has a bigger track record and, and more experience handling that. But new candidates like this, you just never know. And in some ways, um, you know, Ramaswamy could turn out to be kind of like the Ben Carson from the last cycle, someone that experienced a real meteoric rise early. But uh, then as we went on with several debates and you really got into the nuance of some of the foreign policy, I mean, Carson just collapsed about questions with um, Ukraine and Putin. And it just showed that he was kind of out of his depth and that some kind of political experience kind of matters to get things done. And so and he could be he could be that or he could be another Trump. A lot of the things he said last night reminded me of Trump in 2015 yes. and 16. The no political experience, the saying everyone else is bought off, you know, as an answer when you're attacked, the um, kind of self self-made uh, um, rich entrepreneur, business person with skills, and so you know it could be could be Trump uh, and or, or could flame out like Carson, but uh, certainly give me interested to see how that plan uh, pans out and how he does in the next few debates. Yeah, I think Vivek is savvier than Carson. Carson sometimes didn't look like he knew where he was. <laughs> I mean, obviously, brilliant surgeon guy had a big brain, but I don't think he had any political savvy. Where I think Vivek is very politically savvy, although I think he got he got out a little bit over his skis last night. I will be curious a week from now if we see polling that he gets a bump. 
even if it's three, five points from people just newly exposed to him saying to a pollster, yes, this is the new this is the new version of Trump. He's young. He's smart. He can beat down Democrats. You know, he articulates the America first vision in a compelling, charismatic way or. Eh, he came off, you know, again, I keep going to, back to that point. That is sort of what I'm I'm wrestling with out of uh, the debate. Actually, I, I did like that for 30 minutes. I thought that he had the best 30 minutes and, and was winning and then really got stumbled up, I thought, by the kind of climate change hoax question. Um, mm-hmm. and it was unexpected. I can't believe that it was meant an issue like that was mentioned so early. I think it shows the debate. They partnered with kind of some younger conservative groups and yes. that's something even, you know, that they care about and didn't, I didn't think he handled that well. And I thought that rattled him a little bit. And then with all the back and forth kind of taking fire from everyone, kind of what we thought that DeSantis would be doing kind of didn't, you know, uh, certainly finished as strong as he started, but, um, uh, but overall still very positive increases his recognition. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a bump as well, although it'd be interesting to see how that compares to DeSantis, whether he's still just a little bit behind or if he ends up surpassing him, I think that'll be really interesting. Is there a moment or line out of this debate that we will still be talking about five months from now or replaying five years from now? Um, <laughs> nothing comes to mind immediately. Uh, um, you know, and, and I think the, the Trump cycle and the surrender to Atlanta will probably stop any of that. I mean, my big, one of my takes coming into the debate was I thought that because Trump's clearly trying to turn the page and, and get everyone to forget about the debate as soon as possible. Um, the, the only lines that would really, um, stand the test of time and maybe create additional media cycles would be things negative about him as it relates to his criminal indictments that, you know, these, especially this last one in Atlanta just kind of disqualifies him. Um, he should, you know, drop out. He's, you know, not, not qualified or uh, to be president. And if someone like Christie would have done something like that, they could have replayed that kind of in a split screen as he's surrendering in Atlanta and we see his mugshot and that could, you know, maybe stand the test of time and live on. But, but really kid gloves um, on him. I think all the candidates kind of read the room and said the audience has no interest in that. And so nothing yeah. from Christie or Hutchinson that yeah, um, could even be Christie, though. Why? I mean, Christie, I thought was going to come out guns blazing on Trump, but really seemed to hold back. I guess he read the room and said, you know, he's already getting booed as soon as he <laughs> walked out on the stage. He got booed through some of his answers. He did give the toughest answer on the indictment, you know, basically saying this is this is conduct we can't condone, even if he isn't found guilty of it. Mm-hmm. And but then, you know, he was, then he totally hurt himself by the wishy washiness with the hand raising yes, question. I still right. think that he never once he saw the majority that he actually did, didn't, you know, uh, put his hand up. And uh, then after the fact, I kind of said, all right, no, this is my lane. I have to kind of stick with that. But um, but no, the the audience was just fascinating. I think coming into it, we didn't know what the composition is going to be like. Yes. Is it going to be like a CNN town hall or is it going to be more neutral? Um, and, you know, the, it's like tickets distribution amongst the candidates that are there. But it became very apparent that um, despite some concerns they may have, they didn't think that this was the appropriate forum for people to be taking shots at Trump. And since he wasn't here and didn't have the opportunity to defend himself. So even if there were some good lines or attacks by Christie, he wouldn't get the credit that he would if Trump was actually there and he said it to his face and he could respond. So I think that was probably smart. I think that was smart. Uh, the No formal attacks against Trump. And it was also, again, with the memo, um, you know, DeSantis not feeling the need to support Trump, all those things, I think, uh, ended up being pretty wise, given what happened. I just wonder how long they're going to wait. 
I mean, I think they're going to try to have a debate every month through the early states. Trump may not do any yeah. of the debates. Is <laughs> no, DeSantis that, just going to do the same routine and, and be down 20, 30 points and just hope? <laughs> I mean, eventually somebody's got if you want to win or they're all they're all, you know, the, obviously what the Trump campaign has said is they're all auditioning for VP. I think that could be true for like maybe all of them except DeSantis and Christie like those, you know, and Asa Hutchinson is not they're not going to be. They're not going to be in. You know, Trump's not going to consider any of them. If you're, I guess my question is really centered around DeSantis. If you were advising him, how long would you wait to make a direct attack or case against your main opponent, Donald Trump? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Obviously, the uh, the primary runs through him, um, but at the same time, it, it's early. It's like you mentioned, uh, a debate a month. You know, looking back to fifteen, sixteen, they went through March, but they could go even further than that. It's all going to come down to polling. I mean, the first question you ask yourself is, all right, what is the performance from last night due to the polling? Do we narrow the gap at all? But um, you know, what Trump's participation in debates is is really the sixty four thousand dollar question. I think in, he was very vague, you know, purposely saying I would not be attending the debates. Does that mean? The first two that are announced, because after that, we you clearly don't know exactly what's going to happen. I think that there's still a chance that he comes back into the future debates. The first two are Fox. Mm-hmm. Once other networks kind of get a crack at it and he doesn't have the natural counter programming to fall back on, he may miss being a part of the process. Like last night, he could. Um, we knew Atlanta was coming today. He did the Tucker Carlson thing. But uh, next month in Simi Valley, there's not going to be a fifth indictment. And, you know, how many Twitter X spaces? Be careful there, Aaron. <laughs> and so, um, you know, he just feel he may feel missed. And that's part of the calculation of the DeSantis campaign is, um, you know, how, how does our polling do, do is the gap narrowing without his participation? And what can we do to kind of lure him back to the stage? Because there was more interest than I was expecting last night, especially given the Trump's absence and the other stuff going on. But you may. Imagine what would happen if Trump does decide to come back and that first uh, DeSantis Trump showdown. I mean, that would be epic. And so that's, I think, the goal. I mean, everyone wants him to come back. It'll increase the ratings for everybody. And then we may actually get some finality. But that's the, I think, the calculation he's got to do. And right now it's a game of chicken and this could go on for months or um, the lead just becomes so surmountable and it just wraps up early. But uh, still too soon to tell. Okay, finally, because you're the director of debate at the University of Michigan, I wanted to ask you about the structure of the debate, the moderators and the content. How did you think Brett Baer and Martha McCallum did as far as the content of their questions, the ordering of them and how they presented them to the candidates? Yeah. So I think a mixed bag. Um, so first, I think the way in which they handled Trump was a, a plus. Um, mm-hmm. If you go back to 2016, Des Moines, Trump skipped the debate, did counter-programming with veterans, and uh, Brett Baer happened to be one of the three moderators, along with um, uh, Chris Wallace and Megyn Kelly. And that debate started out uh, focusing just on Trump. Uh, Megyn Kelly had two questions that were posed to Ted Cruz, and he kind of dominated the early part of the debate. And you've already said that that's the key part. That's when most people tune in before they start right. doing other stuff. That's and when so, reporters write yeah. their stories. Because yeah. we have 11 o'clock <laughs> right. deadlines. Deadlines. So uh, I'm so writing that that, high- Everyone's writing during the first hour. Yeah. So it was it was refreshing that we didn't hear the name Trump for the first hour of the debate. Like, 
last night. Um, and, and that I thought they got right. And when they did have to talk about him, because it was, it was obligatory, you had to do it, um, given what's happening today, uh, 10 minutes, and then still we, we went to something else. So all that was good. They learned from, I think, the mistakes in the past. And Fox has an incentive to do it that way. And that's why I think, too, that if we get to Simi Valley next month, um, they may not even mention Trump at all because the um, counter-programming doesn't exist. The indictment's not going to be in fresh of the minds. And if that's oh, the that case, would really Trump get under his himself, skin, that would get under his skin. <laughs> yes. Right? And then the, causing him to come back. So, right. you know, you punish Trump for not attending. And clearly it's because it's part of the animosity to Fox. He you know, d- does the Tucker Carlson thing also to needle them. Um, but uh, some of the other things I thought uh, definitely the uh, I'm just not a, fa- a fan of hand raising questions in general. I thought that DeSantis was yeah. strong the first time, kind of showing some leadership, saying, hey, we shouldn't do this. It's only going to hurt us and maybe help the Democrats. But then it was a total flip flop when then he started engaging the hand raising questions when Brett Baer asked them. And so that I thought was a big mistake. It would have been much better if he just refused to do any hand raising questions at all. And in some ways, I, I blame the campaign. You know, the these things are all negotiated in advance and you can, you know, just get these things removed. I um, mean, even so it's not an option or at least you know, gives you some hedge against it. So, you know, I wasn't a fan of those and then also um sometimes they they weren't as forceful as kind of really trying to stick people down to answers on things like january 6th um some other you know questions uh i just thought they let some people off the hook and we know where some people stand but we're gonna have to try to ask some more questions about others and questions about ufos i thought that was a big miss as well um you know more a little more time on january 6th um, it was good that we talked about Ukraine, and I think that had to be the case given the the Russian plane crash in the same day. And I like the connection to that to China. So you know, some of the topics could have been a little better. A lot of you know, about spending and the government shutdown and some business issues. I think maybe they're saving that for the Fox uh, News debate next month. So so yeah. somewhere in the middle, you know, kind of a a solid effort, but uh, something that left to be desired. But really love the way they handled Trump and how he integrated into the debate. I agree. I I, I didn't love how they started out with that hokey song that everyone's listening to and i thought felt like their 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 initial questions about the economy just were not crisp i feel like that first 10 15 minutes you need crisp direct questions and i felt like the debate lagged it took 30 minutes for them to really get the rhythm you can tell immediately that none of them had ever heard anything about the song i know i think that hurt they all like go into their stump speeches (laughs) exactly all right aaron call the director of debate at the university of michigan Thanks for coming on Too Close to Call and safe travels back to Michigan. Of course. Anytime. Always enjoy talking with you.